Thank you. Again, I want to thank you for uh, joining our on-site and online uh, worship celebration. And uh, I'm about to say some controversial words for some, words of celebration for others, panic for others. So everybody fasten your seatbelt. It's only one sentence. You will survive. Christmas is coming. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to celebrate Christmas soon. Um, sooner than you think, probably. Uh, and there are going to be those, uh, there are going to be those familiar stories and songs about angels, shepherds, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. And then don't forget the fun songs about uh, Santa and reindeer and presents and decorations and trees and treats and all those good things. Many church branches of the church uh, call the four weeks before Christmas the Advent season. Uh, we dedicate those weeks to preparing to honor uh, Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago, as well as to look forward to his inevitable return. Uh, Jesus came with a mission to accomplish. His life ended on a Roman cross outside Jerusalem. He said, it's finished. But he was not done. That was not the end of his story. Jesus did far more for us on the cross than we uh, may ever comprehend. I, I believe uh, it looked like an overwhelming defeat. What more can be said? He's dead. We're all here on a Sunday morning because we know that that wasn't the end of the story. Things turned around the following Sunday. It was an overwhelming defeat, however, but it wasn't for Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, we started last week, and this week we're continuing, and for the next few weeks we're going to follow Jesus from his tortured prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to the cross and to the empty tomb before we count down to the celebration of Christmas. Christmas is important, but if we don't remember the mission he came for, He's just a cute little baby laying on a pile of straw for no good reason. So I invite you to come and see some of what Jesus did for you, for me, and for all of humanity. I come and see in the next few weeks the victory of the cross. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 26. Uh, among other places. We're going to be in Matthew a lot. I'm going to jump around. Uh, if you're in the version event, it'll be easy. If you're trying to follow along some other way, I'll try to make sure I don't lose you. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to be looking at reading first of all from verses 69 to 75. 
Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75. Uh, this may be a familiar story for some. Starts this way, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken to the high priest residence, the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, has been called in the middle of the night to judge him. Peter is sitting out in the courtyard of the high priest's residence, and a servant girl came up to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out to the gateway. Courtyard made felt a little close, so he went out to the gateway, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them because your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny, disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Well, if I could just put us all in a magic time machine, it would be, all right, a science fiction time machine and transport us back about 2,000 years to the courtyard, the gateway, or wherever it is that Peter ran away to when he was weeping. And we could get him to not run away from us because we would probably scare him half to death. He was already scared, right? But for a bunch of people from the 21st century to show up would probably be a real mess. But if we could get a conversation going with Peter, I'd want to say, so Peter, how how did you get here? How did you end up failing Jesus like this? Now, perhaps it would probably be, would have been wiser to wait until much later to have that conversation when it wasn't quite so fresh. But let's just imagine with having that conversation with Peter at some point. How'd you end up here? How, how did you end up failing Jesus? Well, I think one of the things Peter would do is take us little earlier in the evening, Matthew 26, in the same, same book, Matthew chapter 26 and verses 30 to 35, Jesus went with his disciples, they left, they sang a hymn at the end of a, what we call the Last Supper, the Passover meal, and they went out to the Mount of Olives, that's where the Garden of Gethsemane was, 
And they went there, and as they arrived, Jesus says to them, this night all of you are going to run away. You're all going to fall away. You're going to leave me, all of you. You're just going to desert me. <coughs> He'd already said one of you is going to betray me, and Judas had left and, to do that. But now he's saying to the 11 that are left, you're all going to leave me. But don't worry about it. After I'm raised, even then, he's trying to infuse them with hope. After I'm raised from the dead, he's saying, I'm going to go to Galilee ahead of you, and, and we'll meet up. But Peter, Peter says, if all those guys fail you, if all of them fall away, I won't. I will never fall away, Peter says. And Jesus says to him, I, no, Peter. Peter, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me, disown me, three times. And Peter's, Peter said, I, my reply was, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I will never desert you. And the rest of the disciples said the same thing. Because if there's one thing I know about the 11 disciples, they're none of them going to let Peter do a better job than they are. Yeah, none of them going to go, no, 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 he's better than us. Or any of them. They're always trying to one-up each other. Even that night, they had been trying to one-up each other. And here in the garden, as Jesus is telling them, I'm going to die. You're all going to run away. They're all trying to one-up each other. Except Peter is the one with the fast mouth. And he says it first, so they're all trying to catch up. But they all say the same thing. No, 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 no. We're not going to run away. We'll never deny you. We'll die first. You go down a little bit further and you're following in your Bibles in Matthew 26, 56. Judas has come with the mob. They're arresting Jesus. And at the end of verse 56, it says, Then all the disciples left him. And fled. Gone. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 58. But Peter. But Peter stood his ground. Kinda. He followed from a distance. Kind of the title of my least favorite song in the whole wide world, From a Distance. You know, we all look like ants from a distance. That's why God can love us from a distance. I know, I'm sorry. That's the way that song goes. Peter's following Jesus from a distance. 
all the way to the high priest courtyard. So Peter's going to say, this is how I got here. I opened my mouth when Jesus said we we're going to run away. And I said, not, 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 not me. Nope, nope, not going to happen. Nope. And he said, yeah, three times you're going to deny me. And I said, nope, 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 I'm going to die for you. He said, everybody else ran away and I knew I couldn't run away. So I followed him from a distance. And then the rooster crowed and I remembered what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And now here I am. Weeping, bawling my eyes out. Because I failed Jesus. So. Let's count up these disciples real quick. Jesus had, not, these aren't just the disciples, these are the apostles. Jesus had 12 apostles. He had a lot of disciples, a lot of followers, but he had 12 chosen. 10 of them have run away and disappeared into the night. One of them, one of his closest three, Peter, has denied him three times and is now a, a mess. Oh, and then there's Judas. <clears throat> and sometimes I think we forget who Judas was. He was one of the chosen. <clears throat> he wasn't a fringe disciple. He was one of the chosen 12. He's one of the 12 that went out with another disciple, and they healed people, and they cast out demons together, and they preached about who Jesus was, and they were come, they came back celebrating what God had done through them. And he sold Jesus. Ten deserters, one denier, and one betrayer. The betrayer, by the way, went out when he realized it, but it happened, and tried to return the money. I don't know what, you know, when we buy something and we don't like it, we take it back to Walmart or wherever it is we bought it, and we try to, we, we take the thing back, and we try to get our money back. This time, he took it, he sold this, and I, he took the money back. I think he, I don't do you try I've never tried, when I sold only my cars, I never tried to buy them back. I was just happy to see them gone. But, you know, is he trying to buy Jesus back because they weren't having any of that? They were too hard to get a hold of Jesus. And he said, I, and what he said to them is, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, tough luck, not our problem. Okay, that was a Haynes paraphrase. What they said was, what is that to us? Not our problem, literally. So Judas went out and hanged himself. 
So Jesus has dedicated three years of his life and ministry to 10 deserters, one denier, and a betrayer who's committed suicide. And he's on the way to the cross. This brings me to an interesting question. What made the difference? What is the difference between Peter and Judas? Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. He's a mess, but he doesn't buy a rope. Judas gets a rope. What's the difference? Matthew 26, we're still in Matthew 26, but back in verses 20 to 25, earlier in the evening at the Last Supper, Jesus took his place at the table with the twelve, it tells us in verse 20. And while they were eating, he just drops this bombshell on everybody. I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Mic drop. Here's the interesting thing. Verse 21, they became greatly distressed and each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. What? All of them. All of them. He says, one of you is going to deny me or betray me. And they all say, is it me? Probably one of the few times the 12 were honest. Oh, but wait a minute. Judas is even a little bit more honest because when it's his turn, he says to Jesus, surely not I, Rabbi. Let me, let me read what the others said. Surely not I, Lord. Judas says, surely not I, Rabbi. See, to 11 disciples, he was Lord, King, Master. To Judas, he was teacher. A good teacher. Really awesome teacher. difference was Peter knew Jesus as Lord, Judas knew Jesus simply as a teacher. Peter knew Jesus loves and forgives. Judas knew he had sinned horribly 
and felt as if he had no hope. See, knowing who Jesus is makes all the difference in how we face our failures. So, we're back in the 21st century where we belong. But I'm going to ask us all a question because it's one that we all will have to answer sooner or later. How do we get here? How do we end up failing Jesus? Sometimes we drift like a boat without an anchor. We're just not paying attention. And the next thing we know, we're not where we thought we were. Sometimes we slip back into old habits, old ways of acting and old ways of thinking. Maybe it's stress, maybe it's who knows, but we just slip back into the old ways. Sometimes we simply want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and we want it now. And so we fail Jesus. See, Focusing on something uh, besides Jesus frequently causes us to fail him. We end up bitterly upset with ourselves because we forgot who Jesus is. And because we forgot who he is, we went to try to fix things ourselves or we went back to doing things the way we used to do things or we just, we blew it. But here's what we need to learn from Peter. See, there are two things we know about Peter. This was not the end of Peter's story. Peter turned back to Jesus. Peter was restored by Jesus. Peter became the first preacher when the church was born Holy Spirit tapped Peter to be the preacher now's the time Spirit says now's the time for the fast mouth go get them tell them who Jesus is don't hold back This is what we can learn from Peter. Your failures are never final as long as you turn back to Jesus. Your failures are never final as long as you turn back to Jesus. Now you might be thinking, I don't know what you did. And you're right, and I don't need to know. I don't want to know, frankly. Well, yeah. I don't have to know. If you need somebody to confess to, that I'm the safe person. Okay? That, that's, that's true. I'm the safe person. But I don't have to know. And I don't need to know. What you need to know is that whatever, however you have failed, if you turn back to Jesus, that's all that's necessary. 
So here's a sermon in a sentence. It's a complicated sermon, or complicated sentence, but here's the reason I don't need to know. I don't need to know what you did or how you failed. I don't need to know how you failed. I know who Jesus is. I will just remind you of who Jesus is. Your failures and my failures and anyone else's failures will never end up be the end of our stories as long as we turn to Jesus. Jesus loves and forgives. He specializes in fresh starts and makeovers. Jesus is the king who became the sacrifice once and for all. Not once and for most or few or everybody but you. Once and for all. He creates new beginnings and restorations all the time. I don't need to know what you did. I know who Jesus is. You don't need to know what I've done. Because we know who Jesus is. What do we say to each other when we fail Jesus? What do we say to everyone? Anyone? I think the poet put it best. Actually a songwriter. And again, I'm not going to sing for you. I was trying to sing earlier this morning. And two things that I was thankful for. One, no one can hear me. And two... Wow, be glad when the allergy season's over. I just spent the rest of the time during the singing section to uh, pray that I could speak. Yeah, been one of those mornings. The poet put it this way, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Our failures are never final as long as we turn to Jesus. That's the message we have for people. Just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. There was a little song we used to sing when I was growing up. Let's talk about Jesus. I can't help I have to sing this one. <laughs> the King of Kings is he, the Lord of Lords supreme, through all eternity. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's not talk about the world's problems. Let's not talk about the politicians. And let's not talk about inflation. And let's not talk about this. And let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about Jesus. Because when people know about Jesus, he's like a magnet. That he put it this way. When I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to me. He meant that in two ways. He meant that when I'm lifted up on the cross, so when we tell the story of who he is and what he did for us on the cross, when he was lifted up on the cross, he did something for all of us, but when we lift him up and tell his story, people are drawn to that. Why? Because they find out God loves them enough to die for them.
Let's pray. And Jesus, we've wandered, wandered away and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We follow the plans, the preferences, the passions of our hearts. We've wanted our way and our will. We fail to love as you commanded us to love one another. We have not done the things we should have done. We have done things that we should not have done. We've not said the things we should have said. We have said things we should not have said. you, King Jesus, love and forgive generously and unconditionally. So we ask you to have mercy on us. Forgive us as we confess our faults and our failures, as we turn to you, restore us as we turn, as we turn to you, Make us new. Make us over. Oh, make us more like you. Amen. You know, I thank uh, in particular those who are online for connecting with us in that way. And uh, if you've not already done so, I invite you to join our Facebook group, uh, Champions of Hope. The information for doing that is in the uh, description of the event. Please take advantage of that. And uh, find some ways to connect with people who are abusing others with the hope of Jesus. Well, folks, we are sent. I was reminded this week that we have a simple message. We're sent to tell people about Jesus. That's it. Tell them about Jesus. You know why somebody, the, the, the person that did it said, do you know why the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, the good news? They're about Jesus. The rest of the New Testament is just commentary on those four. Ooh. So, you are sent. Go tell somebody about Jesus. <laughs>